calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving god, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. This is John Roca, one third of the Geek Buddies with this awesome ad for you. If you like this show and you want to make your own and some of you reached out and asked us about making your own podcast, well, let me tell you about Anchor. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And now you can even add any song from Spotify directly to your episodes. The possibilities are endless for what you can create, whether it's music analysis, your own radio show, or something the world's never heard before. Go ahead and let your freak flag fly. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and so many more places. And you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Take it from us here at the Geek Buddies. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Now, on with the Geek Buddies show. Welcome, everyone, to another review episode this week on The Geek Buddies! <laughs> hey! Apparently, it's our Fosse episode for the, uh, the Mandalorian there. Yeah, uh, yeah uh, the heiress. <laughs> that is the name of it, Chapter 11. <laughs> the heiress, uh, directed by Bryce Dallas Howard. Um, and this one, of course, picks up right where we left off. Uh, on chapter 10 with the, the broken down razor's crest landing on Trask and the two frog people reuniting. Uh, and uh, we find out there are other Mandalorians. And finally, oh, by the way, spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. I put it in the title. I put it in the title, but I'll say it again. Spoiler alert. Everything we're going to talk about. If you haven't seen the episode, thank you very much for downloading this. And go back and watch the episode, then come back. Yes? I really, here's what I'm excited about, is that like one, that one listener who you 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 get you made it in before hitting the big stuff, but that yeah. one listener that's like really mad that they got spoiled that uh 
frogman and frog women made it together. They're yeah, like, I God, I was, <laughs> I was on the edge of my seat for that frog couple. Will they or won't they? <laughs> but this one had so much in it. Bo Katan shows up, which was awesome. Wrestler Sasha Banks, who had been much heralded to be in this film. Uh, sorry, in the show, finally shows up. We get some Imperial stuff. Long live the Empire. Titus Welliver, a Moff, our first uh, Moff Gideon appearance for season two. Talk of the Darksaber and this idea that his version, the Mandalorian's version of the Mandalorians is a almost a religious or cult uh, separation from Mandalore. So this is all stuff that we're going to explore in the episode and in this review, but absolutely loved it. People were complaining about last week. This is why you have episodes like last week to set you up to have your socks knocked off by an episode like this. Gentlemen, please, where would you like to go? Episode two, you put your socks on. Episode three, they knock your socks off. <laughs> um, dude, this was this was the type of episode that I think every person who started watching this, this is one of the episodes they've been waiting for. Yeah. Um, you just get some hardcore Star Wars action. You're getting reveals left and right. The fact that he's he's from he's one of the watch, which as mm-hmm. you know, all of our uh, listeners will know that. Bo-Katan, way back in the day, she was part of something called Death Watch. Is that the same? Is, are, is there a connection there? I mean, the right. fact that they're, they both have Watch in their title. Um, look, man, this was just, this was a blast. And mm-hmm. like watching how four Mandalorians can infiltrate an entire space cruiser and take yeah. it down, just fantastic. Uh, just, yeah, it was just an exciting episode. It was a tight 35 minutes. Bryce Dallas Howard, the director, just, you know, she delivered a fine episode in first season. This one, she just knocked out of the park. And yeah. truth be told, as baby, as the child was with the two frog parents and that little tadpole, I'm like, my God, don't put that thing in your mouth. <laughs> a lot of, uh, yeah, a lot of, a uh, lot of. A lot of controversy this week about uh, Baby Yoda and his uh, eating habits uh, to the point that one Lucasfilm exec had to take to Twitter to remind everybody that they made it clear that those were unfertilized eggs. She couldn't (laughs) fertilize them without Frogman. So Baby Yoda didn't kill anyone technically. Um, But uh, yeah, a lot lot of that. This was, for a lot of reasons, Mm -hmm. this was a kick-ass amazing episode. Mm -hmm. Uh, As you guys said, like, we, we, every time, I, I actually enjoy that they take their time with Mandalorian. I actually enjoy the pacing. I like, enjoy, I enjoy an episode like last week where you're just on the Star Wars ride. It's just a fun little mini adventure. But then when you do get to the episodes that really double down on the lore, and this one more so than almost any other episode, really doubled down, opened up the world, brought in a bunch of things that we've all been waiting for, like Johnny said. It also just was the perfect blend of Star Wars action and Star Wars humor. It had the right balance of both. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know that we've all argued endlessly about Last Jedi and your mama jokes, and I did think of you both <laughs> in this episode where, regardless of the fact that I love Last Jedi, uh, you do see that the way that they handle humor in little ways, like the, the Razor Crest making like that, dare, that daring landing finally just making it onto that landing pad on Trask, and you're like, all right, we did it. And then it just, like, topples into the water. I mean, just little things that just make you laugh. Uh, and I do think um, we'll get into the Clone Wars of it all, we'll get into the Mandalorians of it all, but uh, I looked at my brother as we were watching it, and I think the most amazing thing that uh, Filoni, had, Filoni did in Clone Wars that they had now brought into uh, the Mandalorian is 
A lot of times when you are putting together a Star Wars show, it's inevitable that you're, you've got to have Jedi. Jedi are the heroes. Jedi mm -hmm. are the badasses. They've got their lightsabers. They've got the Force. They're the badasses of the galaxy. And Dave Filoni has successfully made Mandalorians as cool yeah. and as badass as Jedi. That yeah. I could watch an entire series of Mandalorians flying around being fucking badass and kicking ass, and I don't need to see a lightsaber, and it still feels a thousand percent like Star Wars. So yeah. it was amazing. Tons to get into in the details, but yeah, overall, this was definitely one of the top episodes of both seasons so far. Absolutely. I mean, uh, seeing all the Maw and Calamari was, made me laugh. Seeing all the Corrin made me laugh. We got introduced to the Mama Core, whatever the hell the Mama Core is, scared the living shit out of me. And then we get into more of what happens here between this. Look, this sect of the children of the watch and her clan crees so okay so the children of the watch are mm -hmm. kind of just some sect that we have not really known a lot about until now okay. uh it's why there were so many questions had we known about them earlier people would have been like oh yeah they're wearing their masks that's what this is so mm -hmm. there was a lot of questions obviously we've asked them other people did like why are mandalorians wearing helmets we yeah. knew they weren't so children of the watch is kind of new it like children of the watch is mandalorian QAnon. So, yeah, uh, we got wow. Dinjarin. Well, it's a crazy religious cult. So do the math. Uh, but, okay. uh, <laughs> I can't go that far, but all right, go ahead. But, uh, well, but they, so they're, they're some crazy religious cult offshoot of Mandalorians, right. uh, that are following in this ancient way. When they say the way of Mandalore, they might more be talking about Mandalore, the person, uh, the person who Mandalore was actually named after originally. And like going back to this early way. I think what Bo-Katan specifically says about it, uh, let, let's go through this for a minute really quickly okay. because for people who don't know, so, uh, Children of the Watch, this sect of Mandalore or right. Man Mandalorians or Man or people who are following the ways of Mandalore, uh, wear the Mandalorian armor, wear the Beskar, have some very specific rules, very ancient sounding, keep the helmet on. Right. Uh, meanwhile, there's Mandalore, the planet with Mandalorians right. on it. And uh, they were also a very warlike race for a very long time mm -hmm. until uh, around the time of the Clone Wars when Duchess Satine took over right. and tried to turn Mandalore into a very peaceful planet. Mm -hmm. uh, there was a sect of, Mandalore, of Mandalorians that did not want that and wanted Mandalore to maintain its more warlike roots. Right, right, and right, right. Bo-Katan was a member of that group, which was called Death Watch. Okay. Uh, maybe had some overlap in their uh, culture, or not in their, uh, in their belief system, but were definitely not children of the Watch. They took their masks off. They, were, they took okay. their helmets off. Uh, ultimately, uh, Duchess Satine was assassinated by Darth Maul. Mm -hmm. Darth Maul took control of Mandalore. Uh, Bo-Katan, no longer a member of Death Watch, uh, but a member of her own sect, uh, came in with the help of Ahsoka Tano, took yeah. back Mandalore. Uh, time went by. The Empire just basically wiped Mandalore out in, uh, in the Siege of Mandalore, I believe it was called. Okay. Uh, it was all, they all, the Mandalorians kind of reverted back to sects and were all in different sects of people all fighting. Nice. Uh, Sabine Wren from Rebels got a hold of the Darksaber, which we will talk about, gave it back to Bo-Katan. Uh, she united Mandalore once again. Uh, then there was this purge of Mandalore that Moff Gideon was a part of. Yeah. He somehow got the Darksaber. He went off, and now we have caught up with Bo-Katan and her crew again yeah. uh, as they are trying to A, take back Mandalore now that the Empire has been defeated, and B, based on what she says, clearly trying to get the Darksaber. So that yeah. is a lot of Mandalorian information. Um, but I will say what's great about Clone Wars as a mm -hmm. series is that 
if you don't know everything I just told you, which a lot of viewers of Mandalorian don't, mm -hmm. uh, it didn't matter. The episode was great. You right. met Bo-Katan for the first time. She was yeah. a super cool Mandalorian. You got some information. This is all the backstory that you know. So yeah, so that is a long way of saying mm -hmm. Death Watch, uh, although similar in spirit to being a more uh, old school way of being a Mandalorian, yeah, is not yeah. quite the same as Children of the Watch. Okay, fair enough. Uh, the, we do get confirmed that the Mandalorian knows nothing of the Jedi, which is very interesting considering how long the Jedi have been around at this stage in the history of that galaxy that he is perusing in. Uh, but Bo-Katan tells him that she can lead him to one of their kind, one of the Jedi, but then they recruit him to do this mission first. Once again, this is very similar uh, to some of you who may have watched old 70s shows. This is very similar to how stuff like the Incredible Hulk and all this stuff, like as soon as you're searching for something, or Kung Fu, it's like, yes, I'll help you find this, but uh, you've got to help us do this first and blah, blah, blah. So they recruit him into this mission uh, to go onto this freighter and relieve them of the cargo. Uh, and that's where we get and, uh, you know, meet Titus Welliver and the uh, Empire. Look, long live the Empire is very interesting because at this point, Mike and Shannon, the Empire's been defeated. So certainly, just like uh, the sects of Mandalore are here, the children of the Watch, there's also these sects of the Empire that are still around and still trying to do something and still come back into prominence or come back into power. And it seemed yeah. like that long live the Empire, that is a, that's a kamikaze order. Like, yeah. long live the Empire, take it down. Like, we yeah. are not going to let these people, especially this person, get this thing, the Darksaber, that she wants so badly. That is more right. than just a weapon, it's a symbol. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, this is about five years after Return of the Jedi. So the Empire has been defeated, yep. but that doesn't mean that every Imperial Star Destroyer just automatically poofs and disappears. So, uh, you know, we do know that in these uh, 30 years between Return of the Jedi and uh, The Force Awakens, the Empire is destroyed. They are defeated. The New yep. Republic takes over. Uh, the New Republic sort of makes a deal with the uh, remnants of the Empire. It's like, we're going to let you go do your thing, but don't do bad shit, which is really a horrible plan. Of course. Uh, uh, Princess Leia thinks it's a horrible, or General Leia thinks it's a horrible plan, which is why she goes and forms the Resistance. But, so we are seeing the beginnings of that. We see yeah. Moff Gideon at the end of season one, and now in season two, you see that he does have Imperial officers. He has stormtroopers. They are off doing things. There's probably other uh, groups of Imperials off trying to do things. And at some point, and maybe we'll get into this this season, maybe we won't, we will see that the remnants of the Empire kind of go into hiding, go do their thing, and go off and slowly build what will eventually become the First Order. Yeah. So it's cool to see that. It's, it's cool to know that even though we don't have the Empire uh, as we've known it in the yeah. past, we still have stormtroopers and Imperial officers. Like, they're still, they're still going to get to be the big baddies in the Star Wars universe, which is fun. Yeah. And honestly seeing a bunch of Mandalorians land on an Imperial ship and just go to town on a bunch of stormtroopers, like, this is what this is what Star Wars fans are made are made for. Like this is what we want to see. It was beautiful, a beautiful thing. Well, and the cool, one of the one of the coolest things that I mean we've seen somewhat in in the Clone Wars, but using the jetpack not just as a means of transport, but mm -hmm. as a you were able to weaponize that. Like I believe it was it would have been Sasha Banks's character who yeah. uses the jetpack to kind of do this spin midair to land and pop 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 pop. It's just. It's really, really um, inventive, inventive fight choreography. Yeah, which yeah. I think when you're trying to prop up someone like you know, we in the Star Wars universe we have the Jedi. We've seen the coolest of the cool. It's like okay, how can we make as Mike had said earlier, how can we make the Mandalorians 
just as cool as the Jedi. And it's like right. using everything at their disposal. Well, I, and I will tell you this. I mean, Bo-Katan, she is in a obsessive desire to get that dark saber back. We have that reference to uh, Empire Strikes Back when he says you've changed. I think it's Empire or Return of the Jedi where he says you've changed the terms of the deal. It is Empire Strikes Back. He says it to Lando. Now I was waiting. I was waiting for her to say, "Pray that I don't change them again" or whatever. But she didn't. <laughs> she said, "This is the way," which is like essentially saying this is the new way. So I love that exchange. Those little and and even I saw um, uh, shout out to Alex Damon on Star Wars explained. That that repurposed ATAT that they used to grab yeah. the Razor's Crest might be a wink to Solo, uh, her father's film that her father directed. So maybe Bryce doing a little wink. Oh, to that's her right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Not only is that a great wink, if it is, but it's also uh, I loved I loved the repurposed AT-AT as as uh, pulling the Razor Crest out of the water because that's a great little bit of world building. It's yeah. little ways like that that they remind us that this is five years after the Empire, and there's no reason that a bunch of people wouldn't have taken a yeah. piece of an AT-AT and been like, you know what, let's use this for this instead. Like, right. it's those little details that really make Star Wars feel like a lived-in universe because they've really put the time in to think about this stuff. Yeah. Uh, and it's really exciting. Let me yeah, ask so, you guys. Oh, sorry. Oh, sorry. Well, no, I was just going to say, uh, thinking about the state of the Empire, like I think we had talked about in season one, especially on Navarro, those stormtroopers looked a little worse for wear. I mean, their yeah. armor was very dirty. The the actors that they had in looked exceptionally skinny, which is what you want when you have when you're casting someone to put on armor is you don't want them to look big and bulky, but you get these yeah. skinny guys. So already the fact that they were in the army in the uh, armor and look skinny, it's like, OK, these yeah. have to be really small guys. But then you have Titus Welliver pop up. Yeah. And in the especially in the original trilogy, the appearance of the Imperial officer, it's very crisp. Mm -hmm. It's 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 you, most of them were British, but you have this very crisp, very, you know, tucked up uh, uh, appearance. Whereas Titus mm -hmm. Welliver, this is a man who you can look at and be like, oh, this man has been in the sun a lot. This is a weathered <laughs> dude. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and just the fact like, oh, this is someone that's in charge now that the Empire they're working with what they have, which is not right. what they used to have. Right. Um, I also think they do, in both season one and season two, they do an amazingly good job of keeping the Imperial officers uh, threatening. They are the big overall bad guys, but mm -hmm. also really mining the comedy of oh, yeah. the Imperial officers. Like in this episode when they were like, all right, that one guy was like, we're gonna hold, we're gonna hold the Mandalorians here. They open the door and they're like, close the doors, close the doors. Like just I mean, there was just, which ones? They, all of them. <laughs> all of them. They, uh, they, they do. They've, they've really found this great balance in keeping the stakes real, keeping the threat there, yeah. uh, and and knowing how to like keep the comedy turned up. I mean, they did a really great job. Like they, you had this these imperial officers on this ship, and they were the threat. The Mandalorians were fighting them. The Mandalorians were doing a really good job of taking them out. And right after you have that super comedic moment where they end up just blowing all of those guys out of the cargo hold, and you're like, God, Imperials, what losers they are. Like these guys are horrible. And exactly that minute. Uh, the hologram on the dash opens up and it's Moff Gideon. And it's a great way of going, oh, we can have fun with the Imperials. We can make fun of them. We can make a joke as uh, the other Mandalorian, uh, Axe Woves, uh, yeah. the male Mandalorian that's with Bo-Katan, kind of says, you know, they couldn't hit the side of a Bantha. We can make those jokes, but then Moff Gideon shows up and you're like, oh, no, wait, they're still badass too. And that's like, a great, it's great, it's great to keep that balance. 
You're right, Mike. And it, like it's always been, right? For as, as incompetent as stormtroopers were at time with their aim, there was always Darth Vader and the Emperor exactly. there to, to, to over it. So we have, in essence, Moff Gideon is now this new lead. I mean, that se- sequence when he says to Titus Wellover's character, when he's like, we need backup. And he's like, how far have they gotten into the ship? Uh, you should have known that's off the table by now. And this, yeah. this idea, there is a ruthlessness to survive because they no longer are playing games. And Moff Gideon having the Darksaber, Moff Gideon being the focus of this, proves to me, A, that we're we're going to have him be a, you know, a really cemented strong badass that we've been missing in Star Wars for a little bit of time. And also, because I, I, Orson Credit never scared me. I mean... Uh, I don't know about other people. More Orson Craig never scared me, but Moff Gideon does. I think he brings the right kind of ruthlessness and and even keel approach to everything that uh, makes you even more uh, worried about what he might do to survive and win. Yeah, Krennic. Krennic was like Krennic was like that guy at the office who's just running around, kind of trying to tell everybody that he should get the credit, but literally everyone is ignoring him. Like you're like yeah. Right. yeah, you're, yeah. He's Dwight. Dwight. He was Dwight. Dwight. Krennic is the Dwight of the Star Wars universe. So you're like, yeah, I'm not. I'm not super upset about this. Okay, let's get easy on Ben Mendelsohn. Krennic has a great moment. He does. He does. But but I want to ask you guys something because this actually occurred to me as I was watching the episode a second time. It's like this uh, idea that is presented here. This is massive. That he is part, I want to read this correctly because I don't want to mistake this, child of the watch, children of the watch, a cult of religious zealots that broke away from Mandalorian society. Now, you say they're the QAnon, but to us, Mikey, they were pretty badass last season. Uh, So to all of a sudden start to undercut their power or their let me rephrase is let me rephrase let me rephrase no, i'm uh, asking if the show is doing that i'm asking if you if the you show the show is well what let bo katan's attitude yeah bo katan's attitude about the children of the watch is definitely like y'all are QAnon. Mm-hmm. i'm not saying that the children of the watch are not badass because they were right. most definitely badass yes uh but what i am saying which i thought was funny is like he's like you guys don't take your helmets off and those three mandalorians gave each other the look like uh He's one of them. <laughs> He's one of those ones. Like it was definitely, and she does. She gets, she's the one that calls him a religious cult, uh, which I thought was really interesting. And as I said, I do think it is ironic because Death Watch uh, in Clone Wars, when yeah. they introduce it, the way it's set up is they're definitely a cult. I mean, they're definitely uh-huh. a bunch of hardcore. I mean, and and they're straight up terrorists in right. Clone Wars. I mean, they're the bad guys. And so I do think. Um, uh, led by Pre Vizsla, voiced by John Favreau, which is where the dark saber first came from. Um, so I do think I do think that uh, it is it is cool that they're playing with it, and I do think that the Children of the Watch are still pretty badass. But I find it hilarious that we've all been trying to figure out what this is. You know, what is this? How? Why? What happened that they all keep their masks on now? And yeah. then Bo Katan shows up, and she's like, "Oh, that's the crazy ones." <laughs> uh-uh. so, but Shannon, do you think it's dangerous? Do you think it's dangerous? Because oh, because I want to put this out there. I don't think Bo Katan came off as the best goodest person i or best person i mean her changing the terms of the deal her putting that knife to the throat of titus welliver to get information her freaking out when titus welliver kills himself instead of giving her the information to get to moff gideon there is an obsessive nature to her desire to get that dark saber and she's willing to step on anyone 
to get it, that could be dangerous. Absolutely. So her, her undercutting the children of the watch, I get it, but I don't necessarily think they're the bad guys now or weirdos compared to how she acted. So it's, it's that's not a good balance. That, it's not that they're I, I, it's not that they're the bad guys. I mean, think think yeah. back to how to how Bo Katan was portrayed in Clone Wars. She was never that great. I mean, right. she, yeah, exactly. She, Very good. You point. know, she she got on board at the end with Sabine because because right. she was she was getting power right. um and, and you know like hopefully she was going to lead them in the right direction but when you have that power yanked away uh de- you know depending on your principles you know she's clear it's clear she's not going to stop yeah. until she gets what she wants and and right. thinking about the children of the watch um it also explains why din Jaren would be a little ignorant as to the jedi mm-hmm. because yeah they are raised in That's a, a great point. society great point. and the whole concept of a mandalorian removing their helmet he mm-hmm. doesn't realize he's the weird one but right. he yeah. was brought it- up Right. It, it's a, that's a great point. It actually, yeah. the fact that he was brought up in a very closed environment with these children of the watch explains a ton of things that we've been confused about. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, he doesn't even know about Mandalore, the planet and their history. So mm-hmm. it is, so the, so the fact that he doesn't know about Jedi, like you're like, oh, okay, this all starts to make a lot of sense. And to your point, I mean, you know, props to Katie Sackhoff who voiced Bo-Katan and yeah. now gets to play her in person. Like you, everything you said about Bo-Katan is correct and yeah. is in complete accuracy with who she is as a character like Mm -hmm. she was part of death watch she was a terrorist and even once she sort of came around after her sister got killed she was still kind of rough around the edges i mean she's never been a uh uh a lovely relaxed conversationalist right uh she definitely has that so yeah this drive she is very loyal to mandalore she's very loyal to her culture her people and the fact that she's gonna change the terms of a deal or, you know, kill whoever gets in her way to bring back her planet and her people because she has this responsibility because she is, as the episode is entitled, the heiress of Mandalore. Um, And so I think that uh, you're right. And I'm not, yeah, and to be fair, to be clear, I'm not saying QAnon is in these are now the bad guys or the children of the watch are horrible. I'm saying they are literally described as a crazy religious cult. Yeah. Um, and so through I think Katan's that, mouth. right. Yeah. Through Katan's mouth. Yeah. So I think, uh, I think that's all very, very, uh, fascinating. I think it's, I do, I do, I do think that it, it, it explains a lot of things and instantaneously opens up the world for us. Yeah. Uh, do, what, anything else that you guys want to, I got a couple things, but, but anything else well, you guys want to hit on? I wanted to touch on one of the things you had said, uh, yeah. a little bit ago, like, you know, you, you said for anyone who watches those 70 shows, whether it be the Hulk or the fugitive or, uh, Kung Fu or anything, you know I mean? This whole season has been that. I mean, yeah. really the whole I've series has been that the whole series has been that to a degree, but you know, like you get, you go to Tatooine looking for Mandalorians. Cobb Banth is like, yeah, I'll help you. I'll give you this armor, but first you right. got to help me do this thing. <laughs> yeah. Then, uh, he go, then you get, all right, well, my, my husband uh, knows where some Mandalorians are, but you've got to take me to the planet because i got these unfertilized eggs. And you're like, okay, cool. And then this episode is, well, I need your help doing this. So it definitely is uh, in keeping with all of those 70s sort of serialized TV shows where a man or, or someone is on a mission. Uh, right. And I think that's been, uh, that's been super, super great. And I, I do hope they sort of keep that. And I do think it's also going to be, why are you laughing? <laughs> you're, you're, you're lagging again, but... Your your internet cannot keep up with how how fast your brain works. <laughs> <laughs> but I think it's good. No, you're back to normal again. Keep going. And look at that when you stop. 
I think the children of the watch heard your comments. Oh, we're queuing on, are we? Uh, go ahead, keep going. Oh boy. <laughs> oh boy. Uh, what I was gonna say is, I think that this season will set itself up to be just a mega version of that. Um, that what's happening right now is that the, the Mandalorian has a very clear and straightforward mission, which is mm-hmm. I have to deliver this foundling to the Jedi. But along yeah. the way, he is going to help Bo-Katan regain the Darksaber and right. help bring back uh, the Mandalorian. Like, it's like, it's a mega version of what he does each week, which is as he's on his way to complete his mission, he's intersecting with all of these other Star Wars characters from the universe that we're aware of. Yeah. And this season, we're dealing with the Mandalorians and the Darksaber. Down the road, we may deal with him sort of intersecting with people yeah. who are going to be part of the Resistance. Like, it's just, it's a cool way that they are touching on different parts of the Star Wars universe that we know about mm-hmm. and using this character to help set things right as he goes on his own path and his own journey of self-discovery, which I think it's a cool way that they're doing it in episodic levels and on yeah. a bigger season-wide arc as well. I just I also feel like they're laying the groundwork for these characters to come back down the road, maybe in the last couple of episodes, if there's a massive battle, massive things that need to be had. Because there's no way that Frog Lady and Frog Guy come together and it's just putting them together. It just seems like a lot was expended to make sure these two could fertilize these eggs. And then we're just out of here. I just feel like there might be more coming down with that. Bo-Katan, certainly Cobb Vant. There might, these are all warriors he's coming. And then his Ahsoka Tano is apparently next. If that happens in the next episode or another adventure happens, we are getting to Ahsoka at some point. Tra- I, uh, go ahead. Yeah. Sorry. No, 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 no. Go ahead. Uh, go, no, finish up. I, I, I was going to jump into another thing. So please. No, I was going to say, uh, yeah, well, we can talk about this more in a minute. But yes, I will say that uh, when, when, when Bo-Katan, I, I will, as a Star Wars nerd and as a nerd in general who loves to have like moments that make you geek out, like there's moments you're like, this is cool. This is okay. And then there's moments where you just lose it. Uh, watching Bo-Katan in real life, played by a real-life actress, say, uh, take the foundling to the city of Caladan in the forest planet of Corvus, and there you will find Ahsoka Tano. I, uh, I think my head almost exploded from just sheer... <laughs> I, we, we've, we've known it. We know it's Rosario Dawson. We yeah. know she's going to be in this season. We've talked about it. It is not a surprise. We, Bo-Katan, we know is friends with Ahsoka Tano. Like, this was all, we, this was, we all kind of knew it was going to go somewhere in this direction. And yet, still hearing her actually say the words, I about lost my shit. I think I jumped off the couch. <laughs> That's all I was going to say. Okay. That's, yeah. I, I love that. <laughs> Uh, I wanted to throw in, so let's talk about that, what you just mentioned, Mike, because that's where I was going, this idea of the city of Kalanen and the a forest moon of Corvus. Uh, Trask is a new planet, so what do we know about uh, Kaladin? What do we know about uh, Corvus? Uh, as much as we knew about Trask. Yeah, I know. This is interesting. They're taking the chance to present new environments, new planets, and have us explore them. I'm excited about it, and it's another forest moon. You know, all of us, uh, all of us are immediately think of Endor, but this is a now sure. new one. And now this could be fascinating. So what do we think Ahsoka Tano has been doing? Is she pulling the Luke? Is she been, has she been keeping to herself, meditating, studying, becoming a master? Or well, is she leading some kind of village or uh, civilization? What do you think she's doing? Uh, I think, <laughs> no, I, I didn't. 
I, I know that once I dive in, my internet starts lagging because my brain starts going so fast. So I'm just, <laughs> just trying to take my time with this one. But uh, Fair there's been there's been rumor after rumor that whether it be a live action spinoff or an animated continuation, that Filoni is not done telling his story on Rebels. That Ooh. that there's that there's more to Ezra Bridger's journey. There's more to all of this. There's more to what happened to Grand Admiral Thrawn potentially. Uh, it, they always play coy with it. Like the like the flow. Oh well, there's no more rebels, but you never know what's in the future. And like, there's a lot of non-answers about what's going on. Um, yeah. And I think that we know that at the end of uh, at the end of the after the after the Battle of Endor, mm-hmm. uh, Ahsoka and Sabine Wren went off to look for Ezra Bridger, um, who was another. Jedi slash not Jedi. Yes, right. Allowing allowing Luke to be the last the, the last Jedi, but like the return of the Jedi. But we know that they go off. Uh, I we don't know if right now is her time on Corvus is this prior to her finding Ezra? Mm-hmm. Has she already found Ezra and returned and is settling down? Um, but other than that, like Ahsoka's story is sort of wide open. So I think this is another opportunity for both Filoni, uh, who has sort of charted Ahsoka's course thus far, and now Favreau to mm-hmm. sort of clue us in on where one of these Star Wars fan favorites is, is and what's going on with her. So I'm, I'm assuming that when we meet her, we'll get a little bit of context on whether she was successful on the Ezra thing, whether she hasn't succeeded on that yet. And that could lead us into Disney um, Plus and Lucasfilm announcing a new animated series that's a follow-up to Rebels, uh, or this is going to be part of the story that we're in. Because as we said before, I mean, Filoni and Favreau are charting the future course of Star Wars. Uh, what happens episodes seven, eight, and nine, I think ultimately will be beloved by some and will be characters and storylines that will be used in future Star Wars, uh, uh, tales and new characters. But this Ahsoka Tano story that takes us from Anakin all the way post, uh, Return of the Jedi and Din Djarin and these new, and Bo-Katan and these new characters, I really think they're the future of Star Wars. And I think yeah. when we do meet Ahsoka Patano in person, whatever she's doing and wherever her path takes her is the path, uh, this is the way. This yeah. is the way for Star Wars. This is the new way, absolutely. I, I love, and listen, I'm gonna tell you something. I know there were rumors about a Boba Fett spinoff. Give me a Bo-Katan spinoff. I'll watch that over a Boba spinoff a hundred times out of a hundred right now at this point, because I've had way more time of Bo Katan uh, in uh, rebels and other in clone wars and other places and here that I've had with Boba. So I will absolutely, I would, cause Katie was, it's that rare thing. And Mike, you know, this, you, you, and, and Shannon as well, you guys both work in animation. It's rare when the person originates the voice and then gets to do it on camera and is just as badass on camera doing the live action version of the animated character that they voiced. It's really rare. It, and she I, has it ever happened? I don't I'm know. Trying to think. I don't, I don't know, I don't know. Kevin that you've Conway? ever in this uh, crossover. Technically, Whoa. technically, um, but yeah, look, a hundred percent. She, she looked great. Uh, the Mandalorian, the Mandalorian armor looked great. Like they oh my literally, God, the blue and all that. Oh, it's bad. They truly, they truly looked like they had stepped off the animated screen and yeah. into live action in a way that I've very rarely seen, and it was a joy. And yeah, look, I'm with you. Like, there's also we we everybody hopes Cobb Vanth comes back. Yep. 
we have this sort of Boba Fett or in John Roca's world, is this, is this Boba Fett question mark character? But we have that that was kind of left open-ended. We've got Moff Gideon. We've got Bo-Katan and the Mandalorians. We're going to get Ahsoka Tano. We've yeah. got this bigger idea of what the Empire is doing. And so I would not be surprised if, to Johnny's point, we do see these things. And look, there's nothing that couldn't say wherever Boba's head is at, which mm-hmm. is wide open and we don't know. Maybe he goes off with the Mandalorians at the end. Maybe we do get a yeah. Boba Fett spinoff where Bo-Katan is in it or a Bo-Katan spinoff where Boba Fett is in it and maybe they all join together. And like, if that was the direction they went, I'd be fucking here for that. Or Boba and Bo-Katan have a, con- if that is Boba, have a conversation about the history of the child Children of the Watch that really kind of opens Dejan's yeah. eyes about everything there as well. And once again, here we go. There's Boba, Bo-Katan, Cobb Vanth, maybe the frog people. I feel like we're leading to an epic battle at the end of this season with all these warriors involved in some way, shape, or form, including the Jedi. I, Remember he I, ran across two Jedi I don't know. Well. I don't know. I don't know about the frog people. I feel like they're going to be just off raising their we kids. We had Ewoks. I, I mean, we had Ewoks. Uh, you know, I'm just saying. Don't you, don't you come for the Ewoks. Oh. <laughs> Aren't I, they I cute? Feel like, I feel like we're definitely going back to Tatooine this season. Oh, yeah, I, maybe. Because I think they want to use Cobb Vanth. I think at this point... Why Boba has stayed on Tatooine is not. Mm-hmm. I don't think it was a choice. I think that's this is the, these are the cards he's been dealt. Right. Um, I would be really surprised if they don't go back to Tatooine in some function or yeah. in in some capacity. And you know, Boba, Boba's got to see Ahsoka. Boba's got to see that kid. Like the, the the pieces have just been set up very particularly. Yeah. So I mean it. At, but but as we've discussed, I mean Filoni and Favreau. You think they're going one way, they might go the other. Yeah. But I think they're going I, back to Tatooine this season. As far as geek moments go, they, they might be going back to Tatooine, but I ju- it just now occurred to me. Mm-hmm. Boba Fett, when he went to drop off Solo to Jabba the Hutt, he parked mm-hmm. Slave One somewhere. Like, we don't know where Slave One is. Like, he parked it. He parked it in a garage somewhere, and then he fell in the Sarlacc pit. And it's sitting in a garage. If we have an episode where some shit goes down and all of a sudden the slave one comes out of hyperspace, everyone uh, will fucking lose their shit. And I, I, I think that that's a strong possibility. That's a, that's a lot of credits. That's a lot of days you leave that car in that garage. That's I mean, it's like it's like it's like when I go to the Grove and I like go see a movie, but then also get dinner, but then do some shopping. And then I like go to like put my little ticket in and it's like, that'll be $25. Like it's, it's that as Bob is dealing with that, but like, you know, five years. Yeah. Well, yeah. And think about Planet Burning Man and Rise of Skywalker, how that one dude <laughs> ship sat there for 25 years. 25 years. That's true. Oh, uh, Planet do, Burning Man. I do uh, two, two last things. Cause we got to wrap up here real quick. How did you feel about, how Sasha Banks uh, did playing uh, one of the Mandalorians here alongside Bo-Katan. Her real name, Mercedes Varnado. Uh, she played Casca Reeves. Apparently, the, the Reeves, Reeves uh, uh, she was mentioned in a Star Wars role-playing adventure feature in a 1994 issue of the magazine Valkyrie. They're not sure. If, they haven't 100% said this is the same person, but that's an interesting connection to make. But how did you feel about how she performed in this role? She's a professional wrestler. This is her first real acting role she's had. Uh, yeah, she did. A, she did a really good job. I mean, you know, she she didn't do a ton, and she was right. flanked by three really good actors in Pedro Pascal. Uh, the guy, I think his name's Simon uh, Cassianidis. Yeah, Cassianidis. Yeah, he's he's from Agents of Shield, and uh, and uh, 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 Katie Sackhoff. So mm-hmm. I thought for what she was given. 
she yeah. she did a great job. Okay. Yeah, I thought she was good. Like she didn't have a ton to do. I do. Once again, I love. And again, I love this. Uh, yeah. Star Wars fans, including us, love to speculate on everything. There was a lot of is she Sabine Wren? Is she this? Is she that? You're like, no, she's somebody that you don't know. You haven't met her yet. Right. Calm down. Uh, but I think that's great. I love that we get to uh, spend time wondering, and I love that they always throw us curveballs. Yeah. But I thought she did great. I thought the three of them as a unit, she didn't get, you know, she didn't have a ton of lines. Her character right. isn't, like, hugely developed. But I think for all three of them, they had a lived-in feeling. Yep. You you really felt like these three had been going through the shit together. They worked as a team. It didn't feel weird. It just it felt so organic that you almost mm-hmm. don't notice uh, mm-hmm. that you that you get this feeling about them, which is what you want. And so yeah. I thought they did a great job. Yeah, all of us who obviously know acting or have been exposed to acting or studied acting, like you can overdo moments when you're not speaking. And she didn't do any of that. She was very right. in the moment, very real. I mean, even her, even her up and down looking at the. Uh, uh, Mandalorian, like he's short when she walked by. I thought that worked really well for what she was doing because she's a badass. So why wouldn't she lick him up and down a little bit? One last thing, uh, this uh, a planet that we're going to, uh, It uh, according to some sources I'm seeing here, it is a planet in Corvus Minor, a solar system in the outer rim of the Star Wars galaxy. Uh, it's worth noting that Corvus, and this is from Inverse, so I want to give them credit, uh, it only exists in the non-canonical Star Wars Legends where it was considered so unimportant that on Palpatine's orders, every Imperial Palace library had a fake encyclopedic collection titled The Complete History of Corvus Minor that actually held a secret blaster because no one would actually want to learn the history of Corvus. So fascinating stuff to go dive real deep into the lore of Star Wars. And again, I mean, you just, we can't say it enough. In every single way, uh, the nerdery, of this show and the nerdery of Clone Wars, which Filoni did, uh, has yeah. has helped make this feel like this is the Star. This is Star Wars. Yeah, this is Star Wars in a way that uh, other people uh, have tried to do and have failed, and yeah. they do it so effortlessly. And it is with pulling something from the Star Wars legends, uh, the name of a planet, uh, a character, the co- like pulling the Cobb Vanth, or using the same sound effects for the crate Dragon that yep. Obi-Wan Kenobi used in episode four, or even with this episode, like there's little things like um, the, uh, like the, uh, the alarm that they use on the Imperial ship is the exact same alarm that we first heard on the Death Star. Like it's right. the exact same noises. And the way that they don't try and rewrite history, they don't try and rewrite the rule book for Star Wars. They use everything that's there to make this world feel like Star Wars and yet at the same time are moving the story forward with new characters and new ideas and new worlds that we haven't seen before. And I just can't state enough from a storytelling standpoint, particularly on a brand as big as Star Wars, how hard that is to do and how easy they're making it look, which is absolutely amazing and fascinating. Yep. And Agreed. what I really love about that that history that you that you talked about, John, how yeah. how in every Imperial Library inside inside this unimportant book is something very powerful. Yeah. At at the real planet now, this this planet that might not be that important, there's something powerful residing mm-hmm. there in Ahsoka Tano. Yeah, or it's a means of deception as well, right? What you yeah. think is one thing is actually something way more dangerous. So yeah, yeah. and and yeah, and she, in that respect, they are very much in keeping with. There's a reason that Obi Wan Kenobi went all the way out to the outer rim because although Tatooine is very important to us as Star yeah. Wars fans, it was 
out in the middle of fucking nowhere. There's a reason yeah. that Yoda went to Dagobah. Yeah. Uh, so Corvus is now another one of those planets where a Jedi can go just fucking veg out and chill and wait for uh, wait for the story to catch up to them. And so it yeah. looks like we're gonna find out about that next week. I did hear from a uh, from a Star Wars insider or a Disney insider uh, that. Within within Disney, uh, the world of Disney, uh, episode two was looked at as the worst episode of the season. Oh, uh, and that okay. everything from and that everything from episode three on is like gold. So, awesome. uh, so from all intention, like you know, it's it, it seems like we're getting on this train now with uh with the heiress, and I have a feeling like this is just going to be fucking bonkers for the rest of the season. Yep, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I hope your internet holds up as we do these reviews for every episode of this season, Michael Vogel, because we need your knowledge on this show. Uh, it's not right, going to happen. Not going to happen. Let's wrap up here. I got to jump onto a next show. Uh, Shannon, what do we got to tell him, my man? Yeah, if you'd like to follow us on social media on Twitter, it's at geek underscore buddies on Instagram at the underscore geek underscore buddies. If you'd like to follow me on social media on Twitter, it's at Shannon underscore McClung on Instagram at Shannon the Geek Buddy. If you would like to follow Mr. Vogel, it is at MK2. And if you would like to follow Mr. Roca, it is at the Roca Sis. Mr. Vogel? Uh, if you have any knowledge of how the internet works and you would like to come over to my house, uh, my address <laughs> is... Um, uh, look, we love the conversation. Uh, these Mandalorian reviews have been great. We'd love to hear what you think. So definitely hit like below, subscribe to the Outlaw page, leave us some comments. What do you think is going to happen? What were you excited about about this episode? Uh, if you are listening to us on Anchor or Spotify or Apple Podcasts, leave us uh, some stars, leave us some rankings, leave us some uh, comments. It always helps us move up so more people can find us. And uh, most importantly, share this on Twitter, share this on Facebook. If your friend is confused about what's going on in Mandalorian, send them a link to this episode. Uh, the more people that join in on the conversation, the longer that we will be your geek buddies. There you go. That's a good, I couldn't put it better myself. Thank you, gentlemen. And thank you all for watching this. And don't forget to uh, uh, share it with everybody that you know. And uh, please give us some love. Give us some love. We're trying to get more and more views on these reviews. And we love doing them. So don't, uh, don't be remiss in sending it out. And come back and join us again next week as we do another review here uh, for the Geek Buddies. Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am extremely excited to invite you to Rachel Uncensored. It's my podcast where I sit down and get real with my friends and celebrity guests where we talk about all sorts of topics, and sometimes we might be under the influence when we do so. We cover things from personal stories to hot-button issues, and it's the only place on the internet you can find an uncensored version of me. It's a side of me that you might not have seen before because it's not the most family or brand friendly. But don't worry, I'm still sort of slightly a decent human being. If you're intrigued, then make sure you check it out. New episodes drop every Wednesday. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored.